We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are honored today to be joined by Notre Dame women's basketball alum, U.S. Army veteran and Purple Heart recipient Danielle Green, who's going to be taking part in the Wounded Warrior Project's Soldier Ride New York this week. How are you today, Danielle? I am, doing, I am doing well, Sean. I can't complain. I'm down here in St. Petersburg, Florida, 10 minutes from the water. Life is good. I take that. I take that. You know, like we, we were just kind of talking before we started. I would I would definitely take that come January and February. Amen to that. <laughs> you know what South Bend is like. And Absolutely. I mean, you're you're from Chicago as well. And I mean, there's so much to your story. I want to kind of go back and, you know, just you, you've got your Notre Dame stuff up there in the background just to kind of remind, you know, some of, you know, all of our Notre Dame listeners about, you know, where where you came from before we get to where you are right now but you know you grew up in Chicago you played basketball for Muffet McGraw at Notre Dame in the in the mid to late 90s was was Notre Dame like growing up was was that on your radar was it a goal you know what what, what part did that play when Notre you were growing Dame up was, in Chicago Notre Dame was always number one I remember I started watching the Notre Dame football team uh, when I was seven years old and I just remember seeing touchdown Jesus. It's <laughs> like, what is that? And the Basilica and the Golden Dome and these golden helmets. And as a seven-year-old, I'm like, this place must be special. I, I want to go there. But then during halftime, you would see the Army commercials and the Marine commercials, the proud, the few, the Marines, and be all you right. can be. And that always struck a chord with me as well. So my affinity towards the military and service in Notre Dame has been in me since I was seven. Interesting. So you kind of had a, a that, that was always something that was kind of in the, the back of your mind then, it sounds like, you know, just the, the military that because you, you know, you you went sort of a different route from what I understand. You did some ROTC, but you decided to enlist after graduating from Notre Dame. Is that right? right. Well, I did ROTC in high school. And okay. And so when I went to college, I asked to um, join ROTC, but they said, you're here on the basketball scholarship and it would probably be too much. So I kind of had to give it up. But um, towards the end of my Notre Dame career, uh, retired Colonel David Woods bought some recruiters and from the Air Force. And I started looking at 
becoming an Air Force officer right out of Notre Dame, but I just wasn't ready to quite pull the trigger. I, I wanted to see what was out there uh, for me. So it, it's never left. <laughs> well, and be- before your your service, you obviously played for Muffet McGraw at, at Notre Dame. What was that experience like for you, playing for her and just being a part of the, the Notre Dame women's basketball program back well, then? Well, I always have to say I'm, I'm grateful and I'm filled with gratitude that she believed in a kid from the inner city of Chicago. Um, she was willing to, you know, basically bet on me. She bet on me that, you know, she can not, she not only would be a great um, asset to the team, but we trust that she can do what she's supposed to do in the classroom. So I owe a lot um, um, to her. Um, she, I, I tell people she's my first drill sergeant. Uh, so the military, the, and that's not, that's, that's a compliment because the military was easy. When I went to basic training and AIT and went to Iraq, um, it was, it was kind of easy for me because I had those early, early teachings um, from her, the 5 a.m. practices, the running right. back and forth, you know, just, um, just building that character. And I don't think I really appreciate, appreciated her and the coaching staff back then, but you know, I'm 46 years old now. I, I, I get it now. And a lot of that stuff I'm trying to instill in my eight-year-old son, Daniel. That's funny because I'm a an Army veteran myself. And oh, thank you for your service, Deshaun. You too. All you right. too. I should have started with that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, I was not an elite, you know, college athlete like you, but I played football. I wrestled, played baseball, you know, that kind of stuff in high school. And I've told people that especially, you know, the, the physically demanding stuff, like the wrestling and the football, like mm-hmm. doing that really just, just what you're talking about, especially in basic training, you know, just both from a physical and mental standpoint, just felt so much more prepared than I think a lot of other people just by taking part in, in, in sports in high school. And it sounds like you obviously had the same experience. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't know if I would have been as successful in my short military career um, without those, um, um, you know, that mental toughness. You have to have a certain level of mental um, tough toughness to play at the division one level or at, or at any, any level. And so right. I really um, commend um, my Notre Dame um, training for somewhat preparing me unknowingly for the next stages of my life. Well, it's funny you you called Muffet McGraw your first drill sergeant because, you know, she's n- notorious for, you know, what's, what became known as coach McGraw time, you know, like everyone was on a different schedule when you were around coach McGraw. And I imagine, you know, again, from a promptness <laughs> standpoint that had to help you as well when you were in the military. You know what it did, but I tell a lot of people, um, I was disciplined from the very beginning. A lot of people okay. don't know. I, I grew up on, I grew up on the South side of Chicago in the Inglewood community, very, very tough community. And I knew if I wanted to go to the University of Notre Dame, I couldn't go to a neighborhood school. So I went to Roosevelt High School, which is on the north side of Chicago. So it was a 50-mile round trip uh, for four years. And I had to be at school at 6.30 to make um, the R- the, the 6.45 uh, formation for ROTC. So a lot of that stuff was already instilled, instilled sure. in me because I was trying to get to something higher. I was trying to be the first one on my mother's side to get to college, graduate. So a lot of stuff I just picked up on my own. And then over the course of your life, career, um, different experiences just enhance, enhance that stuff in you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I should mention, of course, you were a, a teammate of Neil Ivey, who's obviously the head coach right now. Did did you see, you know, she was she was a bit of a joker, I know, you know, in, in her playing days. I got her right at the end of her playing career. She was a bit uh-huh. of a joker, you know, back in the day. Did you did you see Coach Ivy in Neil's future, I guess, back then? Absolutely. I did. I had an opportunity to play with Neil for four years, and she's just an amazing person on and off the court. And I always used to tell her mother, I said, when Coach McGraw decides to retire, I can see uh, Miel becoming um, the head coach. And her mom would just like, she wouldn't say anything. And and when that day, when that day came in 2020 and I was asked to do a video, I said, man, the, the prophecy came true. I mean, because you could just see she was you could see with the, the recruiting visits when recruits came. Um, Niel would take them under her wing and just, you know, nurture them, take them around campus. You could see she always had that recruiting, that coaching, that mentor, and that leader um, in her. So I, I'm just very, very proud of, proud of Niel. So as you said, you enlisted in the Army after you graduated at Notre Dame, and you uh, became a member of the military police. You were a military police officer, and you were stationed in Baghdad. For a time, and that's kind of where you know where you are right now, the wounded warrior part of it. For for maybe those who don't know your story, you know, kind of kind of pick it up from there after you uh, ended up being stationed in uh, in Baghdad. So I was. Let me see. So sixteen. So we arrived to Iraq in January of two thousand four. I went over there as the company commander's um, top gunner. I was the top marksman in my unit, which is oh, a wow. big deal, big deal because the MP4 yeah. is mostly male dominated. So to be a, 
a little bit older, mature, and be the, the <laughs> you know, top gunner was pretty awesome. But but anyway, I was over there for four months, and one of our main duties was to train Iraqi police officers how to um, serve, protect, defend their their community, how to work with detainees. And so uh, May 25th, 2004, we always had like three patrols. We had ground patrol, we had people inside the police station, and we had rooftop um, patrolling. Yeah. And so that particular day, it was my turn to go up and patrol the rooftop. And maybe five, 10 minutes later, um, two rocket propelled grenades whizzed by me and they hit two stories below. I'm on a two-story building. Um, I grabbed my weapon and as I'm grabbing my weapon to kneel down, something hit me. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I found out it was a RPG and it has separated my um, left arm from my body. I didn't know all this at the time. And all I remember was um, that I'm going to die in Iraq at 27 years old. And I became um, very, very emotional, very sad. But as I as I lay there, um, I realized that I might survive. So I remember saying a prayer and I said, you know, God, I'm only 27 years old. I have so much living to do. Just give me the strength to be able to tell my story. First live, tell my right. story. And I wanted a child. <laughs> and I think about the child, I'm like, where'd that come from? And I swear to you, Sean, a surge of energy hit my body where I thought I could get up and run. Um, but I was too weak to, to get up and run. And then my comrades came to the rooftop, performed first aid. And I went over to the green zone. The green zone is where the hospital is. Okay. What was that recovery process like? Well, first it was initial shock. So when I woke up in the green zone, I noticed the chain of command was standing at the foot of the bed and they was crying. And I couldn't understand why they were crying because I was alive. But then finally I decided to look down and I saw that my left arm was shorter than the right the right arm. And that's when I started to cry. Um, the battalion commander came over and pinned me with the Purple Heart. And that's how that day ended. And so I remember going to Germany and in Germany, my traumatic surgeon was a Notre Dame graduate. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. Woods, he's Colonel, retired Colonel Woods' son. And Mr. and Mrs. Woods, they were uh, members of our fast break club. And so okay. it was weird. I get to Germany and they're there visiting their son. And so they get on the phone and they call Coach McGraw. And I say, Coach McGraw, all those years you wanted me to use my right hand. <laughs> I have no other choice. No choice now. <laughs> no, no other choice. And so for me, my recovery became about you know, was I going to be bitter or was I going to be better? Um, and Wounded Warrior Project helped me to become better because they was the first veteran service organization to meet me at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And, you know, people talk about, a, you know, just a backpack, but that backpack meant a lot because when you get off, when you come from the war zone, all you have is the clothes on your back. And so in that backpack, they had essentials, you know, toiletries, and although it was male stuff, um, I still was grateful. And I knew that, you know, there would that they probably would be my new family. And they were. They they helped me to escape uh, my mind. They helped me to escape the hospital. And in some instances, they helped me to escape my body by connecting me within a community and going on trips, going to football games, um, going out to dinner. And so my uh, therapeutic process at the hospital wasn't as bad. It still was challenging because like I said, I was left-handed. So occupational therapy had its own challenges. Now it's like, how do you use, you know, one hand in particular, right. your non-dominant hand to do almost everything, driving, cooking, bathing. Um, and so I had to learn how to ask for help. 
And I had to learn how to accept it, move on, and create new opportunities. And those new opportunities came in the form of working with Wounded Warrior Project and and staying connected with them. So you've really been a part of Wounded Warrior Project ever ever since then, to some extent, right? To some extent, yes. I mean, I'm a I'm a warrior speak spokesperson now. Right. Um, but back then I was just participating in events, just gaining my confidence. You know, now I have a piece of equipment that I'm uh, that's attached to me now, either my cos- cosmetic arm or my activity arm to assist me with my adaptive sports. I've never um, stopped working out. I work out almost every day and I'm always trying to learn and grow. One of my favorite sports, believe it or not, is golf. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I have a, a t- I have attachments for almost anything and everything you you can think of. And so that helps me out mentally to just stay physically active. Have you ever golfed with Coach McGraw? I, I do remember golfing with her when I was eight. I probably was 19. And okay. she, didn't have a, she didn't have a lot of patience back then. I mean, yeah. she's pretty good. Um, and I remember golfing with her, Coach Sutherland, and Katrina Gaither. And uh, okay. I think only played nine holes. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, she just wasn't very patient. No. Um, but uh, I would love to connect with her and, and play with her now. I don't keep score, though. I don't okay. keep score. I, okay. I, I, can, I can hit the ball. So you, I think, as you said, you you were left handed and that but that is the hand that you lost all these years later. Do you feel right handed yet or is it still you know, are there still some challenges that come along with that? You know, it's 19 years later, Sean. It's like if you haven't figured it out after 19 years, then you're not going to figure it out. <laughs> so be, yeah. it's, it's second nature now. It's it's second nature. There's some things, you know, I miss my my arm when I want to weight lift, like when I want to really throw up some weights, I have to go sure. a little wider now. But but no, it's 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 second nature now. And if I need help, you know, I it's OK to ask for help. So I've given myself permission um, to ask for help, even from strangers. If I'm at the health club or out in public, it's it's OK. So a few years back, you received the Pat Tillman Award at the ESPYs. What was what was that whole experience like? What was it like to be honored like that? It was a really neat experience. So the background behind that story is um, after I completed my first soldier ride in 2005, that event was a springboard to many other things. I I decided to go to graduate school and get my uh, master's degree in uh, community counseling, clinical counseling. And that's what I did for the Department of Veterans Affairs for several years. And so I moved, left Chicago, moved to South Bend, Indiana, and I was a therapist and I was working with our OIF, OEF veterans, our Vietnam veterans, doing outreach in the community. And somehow on the committee, the the Pat Tillman committee uh, found out about the work I was doing in the community, invited me to New York, interviewed me, and then said, hey, we would like to honor you to be um, the 2015 Pat Tillman Award winner for service. And it meant the world to me because I did follow Pat Tillman, you know, at Arizona State. The fact right. that he gave up his NFL career to serve, um, I, I just felt extremely um, honored. I mean, anytime you can be a part of somebody's legacy, and I feel like winning that award, um, it, it was like for all the hard work that that um, that I had endured, you know, that I had survived. Now I was thriving, right. and now instead of going into hiding. I was giving back to my community, giving back to my fellow fellow veterans. And so um, just to know that I'm part of his legacy, um, I am at least me somewhat speechless. 
you got to uh you got to kind of hobnob with with a lot of celebrities when you were out there too didn't you I did. I did. So we're talking eight years ago. So, <laughs> whoa, my memory's kind of fading, but I do remember uh, meeting Stephen A. Smith and I think Russell Wilson. I missed LeBron James by a few minutes. Okay. Uh, I met Holly Berry. She introduced me. Uh, let me see. Met a ton of people. Like I said, it's I been several years now. So. <laughs> I bet. That's, that's, that's got to be a, a pretty... Just a pretty, pretty cool thrill to be able to, you know, kind of stand up on that stage and and do. Something it, it was like it was a very cool experience. Um, people asked me last year. I introduced President Biden um, during Soldier okay. Ride in D.C. and people's like, "Well, how was that?" And I said, "You know what? At 46 years old, um, I'm not really awestruck anymore. I'm grateful for the experiences and the people's paths that I get to cross. But um, when it comes down to it, celebrities are just people, just like you and I." Right. Uh, and so it was it was quite the honor. Um, but, um, you know, being around those veterans that need to be inspired and motivated to keep moving forward. That's what I'm about. And so kind of part of that now you're you're working for uh, Wounded Warrior Project and you're going to be at Soldier Ride New York this week. You're actually getting ready to head out there uh, in in the morning. So, you know, you're, you're taking part in that. It's a multi-day event kind of. What what details can you kind of tell us about that? You know, exactly, you know, what Soldier Ride New York is. So Soldier Ride New York, people don't know, this year marks Wounded Warrior Project's 20 years, 20 year anniversary, anniversary of honoring and empowering veterans. And Soldier Ride actually started in New York. So it's a huge celebration and they're bringing out 40 uh, warriors to come out and test themselves mentally and physically. And we're riding through the Hamptons, through Manhattan. Uh, I think um, I want to say Coney Island. It's 20, about 20 plus miles every day. And just to raise awareness, um, just to show our appreciation, uh, to give veterans the confidence and self-esteem to say that they can do it. Because all these veterans, I've, I've rolled in a couple of soldier rides before, but many of these veterans have not. And so this is to give them hope. This is their chance to learn more about what Wounded Warrior Project is. This is about them being honored. You know, I tell people when I participated in my first soldier ride, it was like a parade because when I arrived, when I came back home to Chicago, there was no parades for me. So that first soldier ride and seeing the patriotism and the kids signs and the flags waving, that's what we're going to experience in New York. And just to, show our gratitude that we, although the wars are over, that we're not forgotten, that um, the need remains stronger now as our population of veterans start to age. Absolutely. Is is there a way if people want to, you know, either donate to Wounded Warrior Project, help Wounded Warrior, are, are there ways that people can get involved like that? Absolutely, Sean. You can go, they can go to woundedwarriorproject.org, okay. woundedwarriorproject.org. And there they can donate, get involved. They can start community um, programs or fundraisers. I mean, I'm just amazed over the 20 years how we expanded from a backpack program, you know, grassroots program to, you know, providing mental health counseling, providing adaptive sports, benefits counseling, going to schools, educating the kids about the history of the military and service. And it just continues to, to grow and evolve. But as I tell people, we can't do what we do without 
the help of um, corporate partners, donors, the community, because we don't uh, we don't receive um, grants from the federal government. We don't receive funding. So it's all um, um, donated from those entities that I just mentioned. All right. Excellent. So woundedwarriorproject.org. And we'll definitely put that uh, up, uh, a, a link up for that as well. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned your son, Daniel. How, how old is he now? Is he a big Notre Dame fan? Uh, Daniel was all over the place. So Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, Daniel would be nine years old next month. Um, he's okay. in the yo. Daniel's a handful, but I tell people he's my why and he's my, my, my purpose. And so Daniel's really not into sports. I think he's opposite of me. He's more of a musician. So he plays the okay. piano, the trumpet, he's learning the violin and he can sing. Wow. He's very, very impressive too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does have a gift for that. And he's trying to play soccer, but um, he's a perfectionist. So um, <laughs> we were, he was, he was learning tennis. He was taking up some tennis. Cause I feel like if he's going to blame people, he needs to play individual sports, but uh, he's a, he's a smart kid. And uh, like I told you, he's, he's, he's my why. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Danielle Green taking part in the Wounded Warrior Project Soldier Ride New York this weekend. And again, WoundedWarriorProject.org is the place if you want to get involved, donate, whatever it happens to be. Danielle, thanks again for your service and uh, appreciate your time. It was a lot of great, a lot of great stuff. Absolutely. Thank you, Sean, for having me on your show. Absolutely. And thank you for your service and all the veterans out there. Yeah, and we've got a lot of veterans who uh, Absolutely. listen and watch our Even show in our Notre Dame well. family. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you, Sean.